Hello, welcome to Sharpest Knives episode 6. Episode 6 is with durational performance artist Alice Ghosti. Alice is an Italian-American immigrant. She's a choreographer, hybrid performance artist, curator, and architect of experiences, working between Seattle and Europe since 2008. Um, upcoming work from Alice. Alice has her first evening-length solo show coming up in Seattle. It runs from November 1st to 17th at ACT Theater downtown. It is called Where is Home? Birds of Passage. I'll make sure to link to it on um, on social media so you all can get tickets. Tickets are on sale now. And before that solo show, um, Alice and her company Malacarne are having a fundraiser party on October 24th. And... Another work you can see, if you missed Alice's work, Material Deviance in Contemporary American Culture, last year at On the Boards, um, it is now touring nationally, and it will be in Boston from September 27th to 29th, and Charlotte, North Carolina on October 17th and 18th. In this episode, Alice and I talk about her dual identity as an Italian-American immigrant, how she became interested in creating durational performances, and how she approaches making collaborative work. So, enjoy! Welcome to the Sharpest Knives podcast. I'm Maris Antolin, and I'm here today with Alice Ghosti. She is an Italian-American immigrant, choreographer, hybrid performance artist, curator, and architect of experiences, working between Seattle and Europe since 2008. She holds a BA in dance from the University of Washington with a focus in choreography and experimental film. Ghosti's work has been recognized with very with numerous awards, commissions, and residencies, including being a recipient of the 2012 Vilcek Creative Promise in Dance Award, the 2012 Impulse Tons Dance Web Scholarship, the 2015 inaugural Intamin Theater's Emerging Artist Program as a director, and the Bossack Hilbron Award, the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture Award, an Artist Trust Grant Gap Grant and Fellowship, NIFA's National Dance Project 2016, and of the inaugural Italian Council Grant from the Italian Minister of Culture. Gossi was also a two-time Cornish Artist Incubator awardee. Velocity Dance Center's 2015 Artisan Residence is Seattle University's 2016 Artisan Residency, Artisan Residence, and the University of Washington. Gossi's work has been commissioned and presented nationally by On the Boards, Velocity Dance Theater Center, sorry, Velocity Dance Center, <laughs> Seattle Arts Museum, Intamin Theater, Vilcek Foundation, and the Joyce ODC Theater in San Francisco as part of the Scuba National Touring Network, Risk Award Festival in Portland, and Performance Works Northwest in Portland. Aliche, welcome to my show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, great bio. <laughs> is there anything that is left out of it that feels important to you or your work? Yeah, um, I have started in the last couple of years adding at the very beginning um, of the bio the element of identifying as an immigrant. 
And uh, that has become something that has become more and more relevant and important. Even as I look back to the work that I've done, not only to the work that I'm, I'm making now, mm -hmm. um, it seems like this, this element of a double identity of uh, somebody that was born in a country but raised uh, in a different culture and then... Because my mom is American and my dad is Italian. And I was raised in Italy for until I was 19, until I went to college. And I, my mom, being American, always shared some sides of an American culture with us. And then when I was old enough to choose, I came to this country and have lived here ever since. Mm -hmm. But so I've always had this this duality or in a way even a multiplicity inside of me from when I was a uh, very young and I feel like or when I was born and I feel like that seems like just like a philosophical maybe like mission oriented idea mm -hmm. but actually more more time passes more work I make and more I see how it's completely irrelevant to all the work I've done so far and the way that I see work in multi-dimensions not just in like one genre or one focus or one idea yeah so that's a thing yeah that I would always add so to. even in past works that mm -hmm. you've made you you see it yeah now. yeah I mean um in 2015, I did this show called How to Become a Partisan. Mm -hmm. And that show, it's in a way obvious because the, the, the piece was inspired by the history of Italian American, uh, um, the history of Italian uh, partisans, which during World War II fought against fascism and Nazism. They were people that completely self organized. Some had higher level of education, some had like no education, barely knew how to write or read, countryside people or factory people that just didn't agree with the fascism and Nazism. So uh, when I made this the the show How to Become Partisan, if the that history was really important, and I did a lot of research on the history, but then the work had to somewhat and had to somewhat be relevant to where I am producing this work, which is here in Seattle, where I was producing those work. And while for me it seemed like obvious that the two went together. Uh, many people were challenging me and that idea, which was incredible because one side of me was like, well, why would you not be interested in the history of Italian, Italian partisans in a time where like fascism and neo-Nazism is coming back? And this is 2015, so it wasn't obvious as it is now. It was right. there, but it wasn't as obvious. So I felt like it was it was a parallel that was a necessary parallel. Also, in the history of Italy, the Italian partisan movement has been um, kind of like put aside as much as possible from the history books in a similar way that other parts of American history have been put uh, aside more and more depending on which governments are leading. So that's long story short, mm -hmm. it felt like now that I look at the past and I think of my identity as an immigrant, I see how uh, only an immigrant, not only because of those the two countries, but only an immigrant could put together two ideas that don't necessarily seem, two cultures that don't necessarily seem like they belong to each other. Mm -hmm. And in a way that immigrants and um, people with, um, how do I say? I'll just stick with the immigrants. But... 
can contain a lot of multiplicity constantly mm-hmm. and can contain like contradiction, contradicting culture within them, cultures within them. So, um, so yeah, there's the obvious, which is like, I'm an Italian American and I'm bringing together a piece of Italian history in like my country where I live now, which is the U S and Seattle. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the whole production of that is looking at multiplicity layers how do multiple ideas coexist instead of create confusion so um, that's an example uh, before that in 2008 no 2010 2010 i did a show called spaghetti co and that's uh like it toured across the u.s and it went to italy too and the whole piece was uh, centered around a dinner table uh, that was set up for dinner a huge bowl of spaghetti like real spaghetti and tomato sauce and mm-hmm. a bottle of wine and we would build this like plastic room around us mm-hmm. and to protect the audience but yeah. the, the idea was that basically we were engaging with food as a way to create more connections between the audience and the performers uh, thinking of food as a way some thinking of food as something that we all share like like even if you don't like pasta or you are like uh gluten intolerant or celiac like you have some sort of experience of eating something like pasta or tomato sauce or the smell or the smell of wine like either you like it or not you have an immediate like opinion or physical reaction or memory and so I was trying to bring that which again it's like culturally specific from the culture that I came from right uh, and then present it here and work with American dancers and American collaborators and um, trying to create these bridges between things that seem like they're culturally specific and they are, and it's important to remember them as culturally specific, but that they can still create all these bridges. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, because last year you went to Italy Mm -hmm. and you took how to become a partisan Mm -hmm. to Italy, did you have similar questions come up around the work from the Italian people who saw it? Yeah. Well, um... It was so powerful uh, for first that like it was really powerful from like a personal perspective. Um, I have been uh, a working artist since I've moved to this country. Uh, I have family and friends that are incredibly like dear to my life uh, that had never seen anything I made in in the scale of uh, this is how my brain works. This mm-hmm. is how my imagination works. Like they've seen like a five minute solo that was part of a showcase. So like they never saw the like 3D thing that happened or 360 thing that happened once I did How to Become a Partisan the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, I just pushed and was... Um, what's the word, was encouraged to just think of it as what is everything? What does all of it look like if you can take out, yeah. think of everything around it? So so that, on a personal level, that was like crazy because mm-hmm. to share it with like my best friend, who my best friends who I grew up with and know like everything about me but have never experienced my, my imagination and that was right. very powerful. Um it was also powerful to, as I said, like 
the partisan history is being erased slowly and slowly. You know, the the government right now is um, just doing terrible things and very neo-fascist. So the people there understood, like the people that came to see the show, the people that were supporting the show really understood how important it is to like remember that history. Mm-hmm. Um, the age range varied. Like there were people there that were alive during all this was ha- when this was happening. Like my generation, it's not that far. Like my grandma was around when the partisan happened, you know? Right. So like, yeah. so, so I remember stories that my grandparents or their friends would tell me or I would read in the books. But like, as soon as you get younger than me, it's already kind of gone. Right. So there was also this important thing of um, that it's always there that like, I remember it as my generation, people my age understand it, but it's starting to diffuse and disappear. Mm -hmm. So how important it is to keep that memory going. Yeah. Um, So it was really, I mean, there were people, I mean, even in Seattle, though, there were people that were crying. Like it was, it it was an, both versions are emotional and powerful in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that was really, really interesting also was that um, in Italy this summer, when we did it again, uh, we were in a town, Terni, which was like a famous left-wing uh, town, which meant that it had a lot of partisan history in the town itself. Yeah. And the other thing is we, um, I brought three of my, um, dancers and performer that were in the original cast of how to become a partisan to come and work with us in Italy. And then I worked with four, um, Italian dancers, performers, mm-hmm. and, just to go back to that idea of immigration that we were talking about, yeah. it was incredibly powerful to me to be able to communicate across those languages all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Because um, if I couldn't say something in English, I could say in Italian. Because the Italian cast would help me figure out how to explain it in English if I yeah. couldn't find those words. So we were like, so for the first time in my life, I was in a rehearsal room that felt like my brain feels that it's going between culture and between languages all the times and yeah. between philosophies. And I had never experienced something like that. Yeah. And it felt like really special to me. But then I was talking even to like the, the, the three dancers that came from Seattle and they often like would bring it out when we were talking about like, how did it go? And people would be like, oh, it was just incredible. But, and then there was this thing of like, living in Alicia's brain in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Because those three, who were they? They were Caitlin, uh, Caitlin McCarthy, McCarthy, Lorraine Lau, and Eliza Dilpan Monley. Yeah, and they dance with you regularly yeah. and have yeah. for years. So yeah. I bet that was yeah an amazing experience yeah. for them to work with you in Italy with mm-hmm. other Italians mm-hmm. too. And I could totally see how they would, yeah. it would click on another level, yeah. your work and what they're doing. Well, and also, like, I danced since I was three years old, and I started making work, I don't know, when I was, like, 17 or something like that, when I was in high school. So I, so some of the ways that I make work um, are very specific to the way that I was taught to make work while I was there. Oh, sure, yeah. So 
so there's just a, like they it, it's just when you see where it comes from almost yeah. and for them as you said like they've worked with me for so long that then to see like oh this language we got belongs not like italian language but the language that i develop around movement right comes from this lineage that we're seeing here or uh, it comes it, it shows right away on the italian dancers in with the ease that we hadn't seen it when alicia is working with other dancers in the u.s mm-hmm. so um that is also interesting. Like. Yeah, that that cultural understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you mm-hmm. can't really put into words. No, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, how would they understand you other than they grew up in the same yeah. country and culture as you did? Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, and also how it goes in reverse. Now that I worked and lived in this country for fourteen years, mm-hmm. uh, like, how does that also come across? In like, this yeah. is a knowledge that Lorraine, Caitlin, and Eliza and I have built for the last six years right and is very specific to our own uh, rehearsal culture so mm-hmm. how do i then translate it in italian because i don't know how to speak that italian i don't know if that makes sense yeah like, it does my work specific italian is not as elegant right than my english because work. your work specific language i created is in english yeah. yeah oh my gosh yeah that's so interesting yeah yeah and then i mean for you too to have that experience of trying to translate between those two languages and those two cultures and dancers from different places. Yeah. I mean, I bet it's almost like easier for you to make work. Mm-hmm. Like it's easier for you to yeah. communicate with dancers and communicate with collabor- collaborators about the images in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's, that's a, uh... I think that's another thing that this this morning when I was thinking about my bio and your question, I was like, what's another thing? And then the other thing is like, uh, like how do we speak about collaboration in our own bios? You know, mm-hmm. like how, because uh, this is all a reflection of like me, 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 which is great. Um, but yeah. also like a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the work and the growth and all these things have happened also inside of a mechanism of finding collaborators that can really like hold my vision can really Mm -hmm. like push my vision can like I always say this like it's always my baby like we're not a collective Mm -hmm. I've tried that and it didn't work for me like it's always going to be my baby but the level of autonomy that I like I'm fascinated by and interested in by all the collaborators that are working with me is something that it's like makes all the work happen the way that then you end up seeing it. Right. You know, like it would, it would never happen if it wasn't part of it. Yeah, totally. Um, I, with that, I interviewed Caitlin a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, And she, I was asking her about her, dance artist her work as a dance artist both as a dancer for other people and yeah like as someone who creates her own work yeah and she talked about how much she likes working with you mm-hmm. because it is your vision but you're you are open to like hearing this isn't really working yeah or this is working maybe we can do more of that like it you you're saying that it's your baby mm-hmm. but you, you can have a singular vision and mm-hmm. still get input yeah. from people. Yeah. 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 And also it's like humanity, like people mm-hmm. are real. They're real people. And 
like I don't want to have a miserable time and I don't and usually like not usually but in other times in my life when I've had a miserable time instead of creative process is because also other people are having a miserable time so mm-hmm. what are we doing right you know <laughs> and so I think that um, any problem is actually a source of a creative solution. Mm-hmm. I think that like any problem, any like difficulty, and I'll give some examples in a second, are a way in which one can be challenged to really fulfill whatever the vision was. So mm-hmm. for example, I often work uh, in my like theater work. I often work with people that are not dancers like at all and that have some physical training, but uh, some can be older than others. And what do you do if they can't do what you want them to do? And when I was younger, I would get upset and I would be like, well, I'm like paid to do this thing and I want to do it right. And this is how I want to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and then I learned that like, even like, it's, it's so strange, but because it sounds like I'm pleasing other people and it's not but it's just like by listening to other people's necessity and to making a clear boundary between like what's discomfort and what's like actual pain Mm -hmm. like then then you just create a trust that is uh, so much more powerful um inside of the of the work than me just like being frustrated and you being frustrated and like me pointing out the fact that your hips don't work and you pointing like you suffering because like you have you know injuries from whatever life you've had right um so that's that's become like more and more important and Mm -hmm. a new thing that has developed in my head has been like if that one move that you can't do was the reason why I'm a good artist, then I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm in big trouble. Right. You know, like yeah. if that only thing, so like all of that puts it in perspective in yeah. different ways. I yeah. mean, there's, and I, it doesn't mean I'm not pushy. It doesn't mean that I try to do the things that I want to see. Right. But, um, I also can't tell you how many times by listening, what we made was much better than what I imagined. Right. You know, so it's like, it's a weird, it's not a weird, but it's a boundary. It's like a, but it's instead of actually being like a line is actually like a fluid boundary Mm -hmm. that has like, you know, you know, in math, when you do plus and minus, when the value is kind of in between fluctuating is that idea that like it's porous of a boundary is not a like, here's the line. You can't do that. Bye. Right. And also part of what you're saying is that then you create a working, trusting relationship because people who are working with you know you're not like out to hurt them physically. Yeah. And also that if something like they know that they um, can share their opinions Mm -hmm. and you will like work together to Mm -hmm. create something that works for both of you. And it doesn't mean that you're not challenging dancers Mm -hmm. or movers physically but you're not a tyrant yeah yeah I mean it also has happened that I'm like no I don't want to do that right or I will try something thinking that I don't I'm not gonna be into it and then I'm totally into it or I'm still not into it you know like there's also you also have to if you want to lead uh if you want to create a space that is uh, that way there's you have to 
be able to accept um like you have to have very little ego mm -hmm. you know and um accept that you're gonna be wrong uh accept that you don't know Which mm -hmm. also means that other people in the room has to want, have to be able to be in that world too. Mm -hmm. Like for example, like whenever I do workshops or auditions kind of thing, I am always telling people like, this is, like I usually run it as a rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And if there's a couple things that I need to see about skills that I really want, I will do those. But most of the time I'm telling everybody, like, you're auditioning me more than I'm auditioning you because I hold space in a very different way from what I know um, from other people or more of a traditional dance background. Um, and it's not for everybody. And that's mm -hmm. perfectly fine. Right. But it requires a lot of you being able to listen to yourself, which not everybody wants to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not putting it in like a value system. Like, right. I'm not saying like, right. you're good if you can practice autonomy and you're a bad person if you like have to be told what to do. Right. No, we all do what we need to do and it works for us. Uh, but that's why in audition process, it's always been important for me to be like, check in with yourself. If you can't make decisions for yourself, if you can't check in with your own body and listen to your own body, I'm not going to do it for you. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is good or bad because like it goes into like, it means that I don't push you into boundaries, but it into um, like harming your body. Mm -hmm. But it also means you have to know that boundary for your own body. Right. Because I don't know it and it's different for all the bodies. Yeah. Self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. But it's huge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, um, going back a little bit mm -hmm. to um, how to become a partisan, mm -hmm. because that work was so, like, very specific to a space when it was made, yeah. because you made it for St. Mark's Cathedral yeah. here in Seattle in Capitol Hill. Yeah. And it was, um, like, a lot of your work was a durational performance work, mm -hmm. so it means that it took place over a long period of time yeah an audience could come and go yeah. and also that there wasn't like dancers moved through the space yeah and also the audience was like encouraged to move around and see everything that was going on from different angles yeah, yeah. um so how did that because it was made for St. Mark's mm -hmm. originally, how did that translate into the other space yeah in Italy yeah so um The, the whole project started because I had like a little dream, like you fall asleep and you dream mm -hmm. um, about this dress that would change color during an arc of like a period of time. But it would start white and it would end red. And whenever I like rethought about that dream and I like looked around, I saw like the feeling of a church um, or a cathedral, but like this like really vast space. Mm-hmm. And a sense of an architecture that it has a really strong personality and um, and that it, in a way, makes you feel smaller. Mm -hmm. um, so, so at first it was like, it's never going to happen. I don't know where I'm going to find <laughs> that kind of space. Yeah. And um, uh, Velocity Dance Center was the producer and commissioner for that piece. And so Tanya, the artistic and executive director at the time, and I like 
asked everybody that we could think about about do you know about a cathedral or church like space that it's been maybe repurposed for different things and I remember this one day we like drove around all these locations that we had found and like nothing was right nothing Mm -hmm. was right I wanted stone and it was like we're in the northwest like there's no like that (laughs) it's all wood yeah yeah so so I was almost (laughs) given up and then I have a friend who a couple of friends that at the time played in folk um, bands and uh, they would organize this event at St. Mark's mm-hmm. and because there's sometimes different kind of concerts at St. Mark's. Right. So I um, emailed them and we went in and I showed them the drawings of the dress and explained what I knew at the time. And, um, and they were like, great, let's do it. How about April 25th? And I like was petrified because it was incredible. And we walk out and I like look at Tanya and I was like, Tanya, April 25th is the day of liberation from the fascists in Italy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I was like, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, it's the day. And I was like, so this is it. This is it. I mean, it was already like I liked the idea that it would be in there was, was epic. But then that, yeah. that was the day he proposed. Yeah. Out of the bloom, I was just like, I didn't know. I didn't. Yeah, I just I didn't know what to do other than like, <laughs> yes, yes, this is it. Yeah. We're doing it. Um, so so then it became like I am. My dad is an architect. I spent all my life uh, growing up, traveling, looking at buildings and thinking mm-hmm. about buildings and thinking about like they're made to make you feel a certain way. Uh, what yeah. is the personality? What is the history? And um, and so I spent a lot of time in St. Mark's thinking about that. And in a way, creating what I didn't know at the time was a model for how it could translate to other places mm-hmm. because I did the same process for this space in Italy. Yeah. And the space in Italy was not ever a church, but it really felt like a church. Like the spaciousness was very similar. Mm-hmm. It was a, um, it, it was an industrial, like, crane room like these cranes that would move from one side to the other of the room that were used to to like lift big quantities of material yeah so the crane is still there but because of that you have like three tiers which make it feel like a church to me and then there's the arcs and like uh the circular windows like it just it worked it worked it was similar so um so yeah so i i'm obsessed with architecture so all the works that I've done in the years have something to do with that and architecture in relationship to history um, and how does the body feel inside of that space yeah. or how do we complement and highlight the architecture or complement our bodies against the architecture. Um, so then, again, when we did it in Italy, like I, ha- I make these maps um, that are just the way I see time uh, that makes sense, and I know if I have all the material that I need, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big piece of paper, and like zero hours here, and like in that case, five, fifth hour is here. Mm-hmm. And then you break it down and break it down, and break it down until like I just have the visual of like this is when this music section happens, this is when this other music, this is when the dance, 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 choir comes in, choir comes in, so that I get to see it all at once. Yeah. Um, and, um, 
so I had the old one from how to become a partisan. Sure. And I like I would sit in the new space in Italy and I would look and I would think about the levels because uh, St. Mark's has no level, levels. It's just one right. wide, wide, huge room. So I, I was thinking about all those things and then I would just like make a new timeline. Yeah. And some of the scores, so some of the sections were, were there any? Yeah, there were a couple moments that are exactly the same. Like the choreography was a choreography that I made on my body. So it was like passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's like other sections that are just scores and just we adapted them to the levels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other sections that were completely new. Yeah. Just as in St. Mark's, there were sections that were St. Mark's sections. Like we did a, this whole moment on the pews, mm-hmm. sliding on the pews. And like in this new place, there's no pews. So then I was like, but there's a stairway and mm-hmm. a staircase. And so I was like, we definitely need to use that. Yeah. The same way that in St. Mark's, I was like, we have to use these pews. Right. Like, I don't know how, if they're going to be full. But it was the first time I've ever done that. Like I've done durational work, but I didn't do a like five hour durational like epic performance. Right. Um, so a part of me, um, I spent a lot of time in rehearsal telling people like maybe nobody will come. Right. You know, like right. I spent, and then I would be like, well, actually, my mom will be there the whole time. My mom and my dad will be there the whole time. <laughs> but because I had experienced durational performance for myself, like I had done a lot of solo durational pieces mm-hmm. and of like three to five hours. And sometimes you're there alone. And right. it's like, it's, it can, if you're thinking of yourself as in the, in the, spectrum of traditional performance in which like if nobody's there then you fail like you're gonna just be miserable right and so we did a lot of training I did a lot of training with the performers and I always do it when I work with new performers and durational work Mm -hmm. in letting them know like you're gonna be alone at some point doing this and it's not because you're not a good performers or dancer or anything. It's not because you're not a good person. It's just the reality of this work. And right. so from the beginning, you have to do it for yourself, but not like masturbation idea that like, right. I'm the only one that matters. You have to make a commitment to yourself. And maybe like for the first, like at St. Mark's, it ended up being like 700 people that yeah, showed up that day. It was day. a lot. It was yeah. a lot. And like when we did Bodies of Water, it was like around 1,500 people mm-hmm. that came in and out. So, but there are always moments in which people are alone. Like one or two people will yeah. always be alone in certain moments. And it's just, it's kind of, it's, I think it's wonderful and amazing now and part of the magic of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but it took me like a lot of work to get there because mm-hmm. the way I was trained all my life is like, if nobody's there, you're not good. If people leave, it's not good. Right. If no one's there, then it's not a performance. Mm-hmm. It's just you. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. Well, and, and it's one of the things that I like, one of the things that attracted me a lot to durational work mm-hmm. had has this idea of like, I had gotten to a point in my own performance work that I felt so, so, um, oh, so 
it's not the right word, but it will get the idea, but so abused by the power dynamic that exists between the audience and the performer. Mm -hmm. And that whenever I perform, that relationship would interfere with my own sense of self in a way that just didn't felt healthy anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still wanted to make work. And growing up, my parents are also visual artists. So I spent a lot of time in museums. I knew about like, I knew about performance art almost before I knew about modern dance, you know, I, even if I was doing dance, I knew about Marina Abramovich and like all sorts of other Eves Klein. Like I knew about all those people before. So the idea of performance and time had Mm -hmm. been part of my growing, growing up. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. compartmentalized. They were separate for a long time. Mm-hmm. And only with How to Become Partisan and some of the durational work that I did before and with Yellowfish, it was like, whoa, they're actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. They just exist in different labels, but they can coexist. Right. So, um, so yeah, so like a big thing for the durational work, especially in How to Become a Partisan or these more elaborate durational pieces a big part is like how is this idea of democracy of the audience like what do you do if instead of leaving because you're angry or you don't like the work you leave when you're too full when you're satiated when you're done Mm -hmm. and how would it feel like if it wasn't a power dynamic you just left because you were satisfied because you were listening to yourself Mm -hmm. you can even leave because you hated but you're right. listening to yourself mm-hmm. versus like, Alicia, that was terrible. I'm leaving. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. 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 You deal with you <laughs> and I hear you and I'm going to move on, continue and learn something or not. Mm-hmm. In my experiences coming to see yeah. those, your durational works at the one at St. Mark's, I think I got there maybe... So it was like five hours total. Yeah. I think I got there maybe 30 minutes in thinking like exactly like what you're saying. Like, oh, I'll leave like yeah. when I think I have gotten the point. Yeah. And then I stayed till the end. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not done. I got to see yeah. the end. And the same thing happened um, when I came to Bodies of Water at oh, the cool. Seattle waterfront yeah. where I was like, okay, like I'll go. I don't know how long that one was. It was... Three hours, maybe? Yeah. Why don't I remember? (laughs) I feel like it was three, but it could have been five. Yeah. I think, I feel like it was shorter from what I remember. No, it was, it was five. It was five. It was five. Because Invisible Woman was three. Yeah. It was five. Okay. Yeah. So the same thing happened when I went to Bodies of Water where I was like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I like went there from work. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just leave maybe after an hour. And mm-hmm. then I stayed for yeah. three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so, so maybe some people feel that they're satiated. Yeah. But um, so far when I personally go to durational work, I'm yeah. like, oh, I would like to see the end. Yeah. I would like to see how all of this concludes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me because also like, um, I mean, one of the big mot- motto, mottos um, that happened inside of that work is the idea that anything can last forever. And Mm -hmm. so like some of these sections are designed to last, to give you the feeling like they're going to last forever. And sometimes they last like 
a long time. And mm-hmm. if I were to do the same piece on stage, I would not use that strategy. Totally. But because a big part of the whole idea is also to slow down time, slow down the experience that we have of, of time so that we may end up staying a lot longer and not realize it. Yeah. Um, which means that there's a sense of like expansion and contraction of time mm-hmm. um, that I'm always very fascinated by. Yeah. Um, so part of that and that relationship to the audience, mm-hmm. what, so, um, bodies of water was at the Seattle waterfront, mm-hmm. so it was free Yeah, and it was also, there were also a lot of people there who were, didn't know that there was going to oh, be a yeah. performance there that day. Yeah. Um, was that something that you thought about? Was it something that was important to you that this work be performed publicly and for free? Um, it wasn't like a decision. It just was a truth that happened, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I never questioned it. I never thought about it. Yeah. I loved it. Like it was, it was, it became so important that it was a free thing. Uh, really early on in the process, we would go there uh, once a week in the morning, early morning. And we started interacting with the homeless population that lived in that park. And realizing really early, oh, this is somebody's home. I need to be respectful. So we changed the hour a little bit because it was a little too early. And Mm -hmm. it was just like there's the the whenever one of the one of the biggest things. There's so many big things, anyways. But um, (laughs) like from Bodies of Water, I feel like I really learned about what is the population that exists already in a space which I hadn't really acknowledged with St. Mark's because St. Mark's was like kind of a rental situation. So in a way it was like, this is my space. I control it as my space. Even if I'm respectful to like, this is the, this is the main religious area. You know, I'm respectful of what I see as a space. I'm not going to trash it or anything like that. But in, in the, the Seattle waterfront, it was so clear that there was a culture that existed yeah. and lived there. Um, and I immediately, for the way I am, thinking about life and politics and gentrification, I was like, this is not mine. This is theirs. Mm-hmm. So I'm a guest. We are guests. And um, and I think that in terms of the homeless population, that was really great because we found like a dynamic that by the day of the show they were like they're like happy for us and like that's so sweet yeah i mean there was many other aspects to that too right but to see some some people really like by the end engage with us and like they would come and tell me like that area is really dirty you don't want to perform you don't want to have your dancers in that area and i'd be like wow thank you i won't Mm -hmm. I yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Because um, we were be doing things on the floor and stuff. Right. So. Right. Um, and then there's a whole tourist uh, tourist population there. Right. And it was like a Saturday, something like that. It was in like a Saturday July. in the summer. Yeah. 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 So it was full of people. Um, so I don't know if, if like the day that they asked me to do that show, I would knew all, I knew all that. Yeah. But I think that by like having rehearsals there, I learned every day a little more. Mm -hmm. Like I learned that I needed like a broom 
And I learned that I needed to have trash cans and hand sanitizers. And I knew that I needed to have like a whistle. And I know <laughs> that, you know, like in the years at this point, I have, I joke, we joke about this all the time, uh, but I basically have a kit of things yeah that are the things yeah it's like sunscreen uh hand Mm -hmm. sanitizers and like my whistle and Mm -hmm. um but i'm and also like i think people think that site-specific work is just about the work that you do inside of a room and how then you translate it to a space and they forget that a public space is a public space which mm-hmm. means like we just were talking about, which means it has its own population, yeah. which means it has like all sorts of unpredictable thing. And if you're making like I'm making somewhat vulnerable or intimate in like large scale work uh, and you're asking your dancers to do that, then you really have to be hyper aware and ready for anything to happen. Mm-hmm and protect them like there's been a couple cases that we've had some really weird interactions with uh, different people and uh, and that's where i like no the whistle came earlier but that's when like uh, it's my responsibility to like okay we're done everybody get in my car and we're gonna go to my house and we're gonna chill for a second and have tea and discuss what happened and learn what we can do in the future yeah but like I had the whistle already for how to become a partisan, even if it was in St. Mark's, because Hannah, the singer, was in a dress for five hours. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to have a, a warning sign for everybody that would get us to an end if anything happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wasn't it was just like, how do we all know that if I would if I like used it with this whistle? The show is over and we get Hannah down as fast as possible without making a big deal about it. Right. Um, But how do we do that? So like I'm always trying to think about, I think as a hyper, I don't know, hyper aware person, hyper. Well, it's with, it's back to that relationship of, of the relationships you have with your collaborators Mm -hmm. that you, you're asking them to do things like stand on a scaffold yeah. in a dress yeah. and sing for five hours. Yeah. And how do you, I mean, how do you protect her Yeah, if some, if something happens? Yeah. Like she wants to do it. She wants to be yeah. a part of it. But how do you make it safe mm-hmm. for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. And like nothing has ever happened other than these right. like couple, like two. In all these years, we've had two weird interactions in... Yeah. For, uh, for Invisible Women, which was also another paradox, because, of course, the time that we make a piece about Invisible Women and we're all women, we, like, get harassed by men in yeah, parks. Yeah, in Callie Anderson. Yeah, yeah You know, course. so, like, <laughs> it was such a, like, in all these years, it hadn't happened. And for that show, like, and that was part of our conversations. It was, like, yeah. isn't it interesting that we're, like, occupying space? And because we're doing that, we are becoming threatening even to like random people from like random people just walking by. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, to me, I still am trying to process in my mind is like, is that a, such a realistic meta? Like, is that even a metaphor? It's just reality of life that like, we're not <laughs> able to occupy this much space because yeah. this is when like bad things happen and you're like, but it's not my responsibility to make myself smaller so you feel comfortable no yeah 
Especially it was not when, funny, but especially it's fun when now. all you're doing is dancing in a park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in those cases, it were rehearsals, so we weren't even like, you know, we weren't even trying to how do I say, like, be in your space. We were like, okay, right. we're going to take over this area. Nobody's in this area, and we're going to warm up here. And then if the hilltop that we were using is free, we'll go there then. Otherwise, we'll do our best to be around other people. Right. Because also, like, I'm not a big production production company. I can't, like, I don't and can't, nor I don't really think it matters to me to, like, isolate this whole area of the space. No. You know, like it's yeah. a lot more interesting to like have to deal with all these puzzles and then while doing so get all these people really interested in what you're doing or not. Right. You know, but I've had so many people just like, oh, when are you doing this? It's like, oh, in two weeks. Yeah. Oh, I'll come and check it out. This is really interesting, you know, and they yeah. do or don't and that's fine. Right. But I mean, that's the other part of like your question of like how the public or the free aspect it's like it's really it's really special to me it's really the the casual is it casual the word the casual possibility of interactions that are beyond my understanding of what and who the people are Mm -hmm. is like it's just it's just dreamy yeah it's just dreamy like the family in bodies of water, there was like on the day of the performance, there was like a family, um, and also I'm wearing normal clothes. Like right. I think people that know me that come to see it, like see that I get in a mood of like tracking stuff, uh, yeah. but also just saying hi to people. Uh, but people that don't know me, like I'm just another person there. Right. And so like I had this interaction with this family, I don't know from Texas, I don't remember. That were just like, so what's happening? What are they doing? It's so interesting. But mm-hmm. that, what is it? And I would be like, oh, it's a performance. And also, like, in those cases, it's like, I'm so much more interested in what they think. Like, right. And my, my question is turned into, like, I don't know. What do you think? Like, right. Or, like, it's a performance. I know, and I can give you that information. Right. But, like, instead of me giving you a spiel that is somewhat, like, like, artsy yeah to hear like what do you think it is yeah you know and like I feel like I learned so much in those moments yeah from and people are brilliant and a family yeah and they just don't they think they don't get it and it's like oh I don't think you get it (laughs) right it's not too complicated no yeah (laughs) but also what is there to get like Mm -hmm. in the work that we do like, I'm really interested in questions. I'm not interested in statements. I don't want people to think the way I think. Which yeah. means that there is space for different opinion on what something is. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the, the, the work is foggy or confused or, um, or like, I don't know what the word. Or muddled. Muddled. No. Like, you can be super clear with your ideas, your intentions, your que- even if you're asking questions. Yeah. You know, and and in that way you make space for multiple multiple ideas inside of those questions. So there's always one funnel, you know, direction which is the question. Yeah. Um and that to me is so much more I don't know, I am 
as you know and are have noticed, I am obsessed with politics and have always been. Yeah. And I was trained in making choreography thinking like, this is what you want to say. And you succeed only if everybody in the room sees the one thing you want to say. Right. Which is great. And it works. And I do it in my work and like in my theater work. And I do it in other situations. And it's super helpful to know how to do that well. Mm-hmm. But is that what I want to put in the world of my own work? No. Yeah. Because I'm not interested in people thinking the way I think. I'm a lot more interested in all of us making more space for different ways of thinking. Right. And you're more interested in in um, in asking people mm-hmm. the question yeah. and seeing what answers they come up with because of their personal experiences. Yeah. 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 I can't predict who they are, their history, right. their culture, right. their trauma, their happiness. I can't predict any of that. Mm-hmm. So... It feels so much less of an imposition to make more space versus limit the space, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. So your newest work um, Mm -hmm. is is in a traditional theater. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's weird. Um, It is. So, well, Material Deviance last year was in Adana Boards, and it was in a traditional theater space. like environment Mm -hmm. and but we did build like a major set and we when we talked when afterwards when my like I think there was a QA and a and somebody asked us about like we you've been doing all this site-specific work how does this feel and I don't remember which one if like Lorraine or Eliza but were answered saying it's exactly the same thing because we created this huge set and we had to deal with it just the way that Alicia usually requests us or wonders about dealing with it. Yeah. So that's that's how that happened. And in the new version of that show that we're going to do in the fall, we're actually bringing all the objects to the ground. So there's so much there's going to be so much more uh, like just a sense of ob- obstacles. Yeah. And mess and yeah. like yeah. Just where, everywhere. Where is the performance in the fall? Uh, we're going to be in Boston mm-hmm. and then in North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, cool. With the Material Deviants. And you did it in New York recently, mm-hmm. We right? did a little, like, 30-minute excerpt oh, cool. um, with, without, without all the objects, just with some oh. of our major objects. Mm-hmm. And it, I, feel, I learned so much. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, this is a logistics question. Yeah. Are you transferring all the objects that you no. had? You're getting new ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the, the material deviance has always been designed uh, in ways that would work with uh, like wherever we were. Yeah. So there's an aspect of like a cast that it's a local cast. So there's like up to five performers that are from wherever, whatever city we're visiting that are working with us Mm -hmm. that are added to the original five cast. Uh, Then all the objects have to be accumulated in collaboration with the organizations that are hosting us. Mm -hmm. And like in North Carolina, uh, we're working with the University of North Carolina. So they're working with the students uh, and collecting a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, we have this list that it's kind of like our master list of what needs to be there in yeah. terms of 12 plastic bins filled up with these things. Yeah. You know, and it's like, because 
you can't have glass, you can't have perishables, right. you can't have food, you can't have uh, like all things electric, electric, like batteries. You know, like yeah. we just learned after doing it that there were some <laughs> things that are just no. Yeah. And then as part of the sh- of that show, there's also a community ritual, so people come and bring us objects. Um, so there's just, for me, I'm not, I just so not interested in like, um, you know, hi, I made the show, come and see it. Bye. Like I'm interested in like, how do we create all these invisible threads in the world? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm always, I've always been looking at ways to do that in my life. Yeah. And I feel like even as a person that has lived here for a long time, some of the like art projects or companies that really resonated with me are ones that were able to do that mm-hmm. versus ones that were like touch and go mm-hmm. and like see you next time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, cool, that was beautiful. Right. That's really interesting as like a touring production mm-hmm. because you're, you're bringing the element of a site specific work yeah. to each place you're going. Yeah. Because. Like, it's different objects. Yeah, It's quite literally site-specific. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, maybe you learn this from working with, in Italy with Mm -hmm. dancers from there, but you're having dancers from each space. Yeah. So each each thing is unique. Yeah, exactly. It's the same work, but it's unique to that time and place. Yeah. Which I can see, like, goes Mm -hmm. through, is like the thread through all of your work. Yeah. absolutely yeah 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 and then wait you asked me another thing oh and then there's the new new work Mm -hmm. which it's also premiering in the fall um and it's a it's called the whole piece it's called where is home Mm -hmm. and is a multi-year multi-project project so it starts with a solo on myself um looking at my identity as an Italian-American immigrant and looking at the history of Italian-American immigrations in this country. So I was for three months in North Carolina uh, figuring all that out, which I didn't, but I have right. new layers. I have layers <laughs> that yeah. are happening. Yeah. And so, so that will be the first chapter, and then there's different chapters that will happen in the, year, in the years to follow. It'll probably take around four years to develop all the parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is right now scheduled to be happening at ACT as part of ACT Lab. Cool. Uh, they have this smaller space, but, and I was feeling like, like, ah, oh, I just decided that I just want to make site specific works. Like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And I realized that I think that I just have to think about it as a lecture, Mm, that's interesting yeah because yeah. I think that's more what it's gonna be like I mm-hmm. mean I'm gonna dance and I'm gonna move and I'm gonna do stuff mm-hmm. um but more yeah yeah I think the more I get closer to it and more I feel like it's not gonna be it's still not gonna be like a straight up thing yeah if that makes sense yeah it does um I have I have one last question for you. We're at about an hour. Yeah. Um, And that is, how much time do you spend, like, alone in a studio creating work versus, like... Yeah. And do you do that? Or do you do that with other people only? Well, I don't really like being alone in a studio. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think almost all of my work is relational somehow. Yeah. So there's there's only so much I can do by myself. Totally. Uh, like in North Carolina right now, I was by myself for three months, and I had a studio, and um, and like I did a lot. Like I learned a lot. But I, I wasn't like getting up and dancing and made sequences. I like studied everything I could find on Italian American history and like mm-hmm. made maps and printed gestures uh, that are culturally specific to Italian culture mm-hmm. and like found a list of Italians that were interned during World War II when the Japanese were interned in this country. Um, like I do all sorts of things. And yeah. if I can think of that space as dynamic like that, then I feel like I, it's making sense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like rent space, like movement space to do, to be by myself. I will have yeah. to because of this new project. So at mm-hmm. some point I'll have to do it. Um, but generally, I just rather be, I learn more from like asking questions to other people. It's just part yeah. of the collaboration that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um and that is so inspiring for me and so much more interesting because my work is so relational. It's totally. about humans relating and being a human and relating to another human. Right. Um, not objects, not... Um, what is the word? Not exotic fishes. You know, <laughs> yeah. like it's sure. about real people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But for example, in... in I have this new dream that I'm working on uh, that it's like doing a bunch of smaller site-specific performances mm-hmm. um, to develop more of a bigger portfolio so that I can do more of the bigger durational ones. And so we are starting a rehearsal process, but there's no yet end sure. or or a known like, point of, of the finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I've been working for five years with these ideas, with these questions, with these, uh, you know, since how to become a partisan was such a big, like, I understood so much of like the way I saw the world, the way I wanted to make stuff, the the dimensions, like I understood so much. And now I like have to, something has to happen for me to like stop for a second, which is happening, uh, to stop for a second and just reevaluate the strategies that I learned from that yeah, and what new strategies is there to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cause I don't know what they are yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to new, make new things. Yeah. Make new strategies. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. that alone time yeah. will help. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think alone, like time with my collaborators to just be in a studio for a couple months without yeah. like even every day doing something different. Yeah. You know, not being like, let's make this choreography like that. Right. Or like, remember the steps. But yeah. like, what would happen if we do this weird score in which yeah. we're, I don't know what. Yeah. It's process focused, yeah. not yeah. end focused. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, which sounds like that's usually the way you mm-hmm. work anyway. Yeah. But this time is unique in that you don't have that it's, set end point. Yeah. It's also like, I'm like... Uh, I need new tools. Mm-hmm. That's more how it feels. Mm-hmm. It's like I created these tools five to six years ago and they like, I keep using them and I love them and I will use them for the rest of my life, but it's time for new tools. 
-hmm. And I think that I was able to find those tools because I, you know, made work and studied and do all sorts of things for many years. And so then when it was time to put all the tools together, they were ready. And now I just need to basically like look around and be like, what's my new tools? Mm -hmm. You know, what are my new tools? Yeah. Because I think they're there somewhere. I just didn't, I haven't had time yet to be like, hey, try this. Right. You know? It's yeah. Like, I think it's in my head. I don't know which work would it belong to. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah. Well, is there anything else? Um, anything that we didn't wrap up? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Thank Great. you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. being here. Yes. Yes. The Sharpest Knives podcast is created, edited, and produced by me, Maris Antolin, and partially supported by the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash sharpestknivespodcast, or find us on Instagram at sharpestknivespodcast. And you can follow along and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash sharpestknivespodcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and your questions and suggestions for future guests. Email us at sharpestknivespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.